So if you guys have any questions whatsoever about keto or intermittent fasting, whether you're starting keto as a new person or just need to debug your program, or you have a question about a product, call one of our keto consultants. They'll be able to help you. Call 540-299-1557. That's 540-299-1557. Did you realize that an average person consumes only 1.4 cups of vegetables per day? That's right, you heard me, only 1.4 cups. We're supposed to consume at least seven to get our daily minerals and vitamins. Vegetables also supply phytonutrients as well as beta carotene and thousands of plant-based chemicals that give us many added health benefits. To fulfill this missing requirement, Dr. Berg has developed Veggie Solution. Veggie Solution is a high quality greens powder that allows you to easily get your recommended amount of greens every single day. Just two delicious scoops gives you an equivalent of six cups of greens at only 69 cents per scoop. That's less than a dollar for six cups of greens. Dr. Berg's Veggie Solution is a complete protein, highly digestible, low carb, keto-friendly, with tons of omega-3s and absolutely no sugar. Dr. Berg feels it's important that everyone gets their vegetables and made this product cost-effective too. Veggie Solution comes in original and in a raspberry lemon flavor. Go to shop.drberg.com to get yours today. Welcome to the Dr. Berg's Healthy Keto and Intermittent Fasting Podcast, where Dr. Berg takes you on the journey for the truth about getting healthy and losing healthy weight. Good. Welcome. So how many of you have been helped um, with keto and IF? Just raise your hand. Pretty much everyone, right? How many have ever tried to help someone without the full knowledge of something, or you have partial information or bad information, and ended up not really helping them? Yeah, I've done that. So your help is dependent on the quality of your solutions. So today, it's about increasing your ability to help and help more. So we have a situation. The situation is 65% of the population is either pre-diabetic or diabetic. That's crazy. I would imagine it's a lot higher for insulin resistance. It's probably like 90%. Four billion prescriptions given out every single year. That's 13 drugs for every man, woman, and child. Insane. $3.4 trillion cost of healthcare. One trillion is a thousand billion dollars. Insane. The problem with healthcare is that um, there's really no health. But health is missing, unfortunately. And medicine has be become the management of symptoms using medications. And so I have a question. Can you actually create health without an eating plan that's healthy? You can't do it, right? That's really what's missing in medicine is they don't, they're not using the correct eating, they omit that. And that is the big issue. So I wanna to actually touch on uh, science. You know, we, we try to find the truth, so we go to uh, studies, we do nutritional research, we try to evaluate. There's a couple problems I wanna just bring up. Number one, the interpretation of the study is very difficult. 
Um, how many of you have a hard time reading some of the scientific research studies out there? It's in, a, it's in a new language, so you have to then get second or third-hand information from some interpretation from someone else, and that could lead to a whole bunch of problems. So research data, a lot of times it's altered, it's manipulated, and um, the industry, 75% of the studies in, journal, in journals are basically sponsored by Big Pharma. How many of you did, didn't know that? Yeah. And then the, the studies that are uh, government-funded are also co-partnered with Big Pharma. So basically, you as a taxpayer, you actually end up paying for the research for drug companies, which they mark up a little bit, big margins. So, but then people say, well, you know, I have insurance that pays for my medication. But of course, that's a little bit high too, right? Like one or two, three thousand dollars a month. So it's really gotten out of control. And uh, Linda Lademan, I just wanted to bring up, uh, Linda was a, a clinical uh, psychologist, worked in, I think Stanford, was, you were a professor, was it Stanford? You, okay, got it. So Linda's been practiced teaching for, I don't know, over 20 years, right? So you, she basically got out of the whole system because she saw so much corruption in research and medication. So now she fights the abuses of, you know, ECT and things like that. So, well done. <laughs> Linda, I just want to ask you, how many kids are being put on drugs now? This is why I drink on the weekends. No, I don't. <laughs> Insane. So there's just, there's a real big problem with research. I'm not against research, it's that in order to interpret it, you have to know the language, you have to know some basic physiology, and a lot of people don't spend the time to be able to do that, so they get it secondhand, and it's been altered. So I just wanted to bring that up because um, there's this whole thing with, oh, well, what's in the literature? What's much better is to um, focus on experience, you personally experiencing it. If you have the correct knowledge, and you apply it, and you experience it, then you have this certainty. Is Cassandra in the room? Where's Cassandra? Is she around here? Cassandra? Maybe she's a little bit late. I wanted to show you, look at her eyes. You see how puffy they are? Well over 300 pounds. She, I want to show you what she looks like now. Incredible. This is an example of someone that was a patient long ago before I had all the correct data with eating, and I couldn't help her. She didn't really get help. Until recently, probably about six months ago, I contacted her because I was thinking about her, got her on the program, and I wanted to show you what she looks like. I, she'll probably come a little bit later. Here's another guy. Stephen, are you in the room from Canada? There he is back there. Stephen weighed 600 pounds. So he, I think he's like 240, 248 now. Amazing. Now, I interviewed him after three years of having this weight loss off. So he's holding it. He's like maintaining. So 600 pounds. So if anyone came up to him and said, you know, well, keto creates, creates problems long term. It doesn't work. <laughs> he has a certainty because he actually has experience. So that's really an important thing that's missing. I think people don't rely on their own experience because sometimes you have to tweak it a little bit to you. 
So once you have the experience, then you don't really have to rely on so many studies, right? So why, why do we have all these problems? What's really underneath it? There's a common thread. The essence of what we're going to be talking about this weekend revolves around one thing. Okay, and I'm going to clear, clarify what the definition of what this thing is because it's an incomplete definition of insulin. So high insulin is behind probably the majority of chronic health problems. So let's just kind of go through it. Uh, insulin lowers blood sugar. Most people know that. So what is it, where does it go when it lowers blood sugar? Well, your body uses it. Your cells use it. It gets stored as sugar. And then it gets stored as fat. So insulin is a storage hormone. It's an energy storage hormone. It also helps you absorb nutrients, but a lot of people don't realize it actually um, prevents fat burning. In the presence of insulin, the enzyme that dissolves fat is completely inactivated. You can't burn fat. Now, just that one piece of data would be very important if you're trying to lose weight, right? Yet, I can evaluate any diet and tell you what, which one is going to work based on that one point. Is it raise insulin or lower insulin? So insulin is a real key factor in whether you store or prevent. The way you burn fat and activate the enzyme is you just lower insulin. That's really the heart of keto. What makes keto is keto is lowering insulin and by lowering the carbs, of course. Now, when you put on medication, um, the doctor puts you on metformin or whatever, um, and he lowers the blood sugar, where does that blood sugar go? Does it evaporate? It kind of uh, gets, can I, um, I need a uh, Logan, can you come up here? So we're going to demonstrate where it goes. All right. Logan. Logan is some, from uh, Fusion Lean website. He's the big keto guy. You probably saw him on YouTube. So we're going to demonstrate in this uh, suitcase here. And uh, Logan, I have some uh, fat here or that you're going to kind of fill into that suitcase. So just go ahead. This is a fat cell. This is actually fat, and he's going to basically, it's being converted from sugar, and he's going to actually just fill that suitcase. Okay, so you just try to get all that stuff in there. This is what happens when you keep eating too many carbs. Now, in college, um, I lived with uh, two other guys in a house, and uh, it was a typical college experience. Uh, we weren't the most uh, healthy. And uh, we weren't the most organized. And so um, my two roommates um, decided that to save time, we went out and bought a very large garbage can. So that way we wouldn't have to take out the trash very often. So we bought this 7-Eleven garbage can. It must have been this big. So then we could take it out less. But it actually started to stink. And then we would put all the dishes in the pantry, start building it up. This is actually what's happening to our bodies. It's spilling over. <laughs> Oh, keep trying. Keep trying to cram that in there. Yeah, we're going to try that for the next hour or so. You might want to sit on it. So the fat cells get to a point where they actually get uh, saturated. And so you can't cram any more fat in a fat cell. So where does it go? It spills off into the other organs. It goes into the liver. It goes around the organs. It's called visceral fat. Yeah, that goes out there. So this is kind of a demonstration of exactly what happens to our bodies. 
Now, how do you know if you have high insulin? Just go ahead and look down right now. And if you see, see your stomach, uh, you have high insulin. Because that's the place where it goes. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And stick around, because I'm going to need you. Um, the history of insulin. It's been around for a couple billion years. Snails, uh, clams use insulin to inject their prey to make them sluggish. Yeah, I'm serious. Drop, drop, put them unconscious. It's kind of what we're doing right now, right? With uh, insulin, you have Alzheimer's, dementia, and you become unconscious. Of course, in the 20s, we uh, psychiatrists used insulin shock therapy. Some of you never heard about that before, but they would inject someone with about 53 uh, uh, like injections of uh, insulin over a period of time, and you would literally put people in a coma because it drops the blood sugar down. That was in the 20s, I think from 20 to 30s. That's what they used. They would wake up fat. So insulin basically makes you unconscious if there's too much going on. Um, and of course now, they use electric shock therapy, right, Linda? <laughs> so it's just really insane, insane. Uh, insulin will not let you use the enzyme called hormone-sensitive lipids to unlock the fat. So here you are, you have this huge tanker truck, you have all this fuel, you have a small gas tank, you're unable to tap into your major fuel source because insulin's too high. Insulin is the switch. It's low, it, it can, you can actually tap into fat fuel. Keto is all about tapping into the fat fuel and you can have uh, nice level blood sugars. Here's a picture of what Logan demonstrated right here, fat cells, hypertrophic adipocyte. There we go, there it is. So the problem is, back then, we didn't really eat as frequently. Now you can see all you can eat buffets. Uh, growing up in Wisconsin, in the Midwest, we had a place called Farm and Feast. It was an all-you-can-eat buffet. Farm and Feast, that's what they call it. So you'd go in there. We'd go there very often and just, you know, feast. I, I don't understand how, why we need that much food. An average, per life, uh, uh, average person, their life, lifespan, consumes 52 tons of food. That's a lot. If you're overweight, it's an additional dump truck full. So the side effect of too much insulin is very broad. You get tired after you eat. Uh, it feels like you have sand in the eyes. I had that. That was a hypoglycemic reaction. I, I remember driving across town, and my eyes would get sticky, and I had real serious low blood sugar problems. Um, sensitivity to light, loss of collagen, plateau weight, dementia, urinary frequency, cravings for carbs, um, anxiety, belly, inflammation, polycystic ovarian where you have the facial hair, decreased libido, fatty liver, sets you up for cancer, uh, diabetes of course, heart disease, stroke because of the clotting, and high cholesterol. But other than that, it's totally fine. <laughs> now some of the other speakers are going to go more into depth with uh, other conditions, but I wanted to say that your, your brain basically shrinks with high levels of uh, insulin and also glucose. Kidney damage, 
So insulin destroys the vascular system to the nervous system. That's why you get things like peripheral neuropathy in the bottom of the feet, in the hands. Uh, when we talk about the next lecture of nutrition, we're going to talk about how to undo that. The, the eye is very sensitive to blood sugar issues. Glaucoma, that's pressure in the eye. Cataracts, that's a little opaque in your, um, your lens. Um, we also have diabetic retinopathy, which is, destroys the nerve, the retina in the back there. You have part of your brain sticking out into your eye, and it destroys that nerve. Um, all sorts of things. Check this out. Most of the top groups of medications, anti-inflammatory medications, which, by the way, are uh, total about $106 billion a year. Uh, we have psychiatric medications, which comes in second, diabetic medications, antihypertension, cholesterol-lowering medications, dementia. All of these are from side effects from high sugar or high insulin. Incredible. Can you imagine if we actually just plug in some healthy keto IF? Bam. Probably save a lot. Many of the reasons uh, why we d die are related to high insulin as well. Heart, cancer, uh, of course, iatrogenic. That's just, uh, you know, mistakes made by medicine. Uh, stroke, Alzheimer's, diabetes, it's right up there. So insulin lowers blood glucose, it blocks fat burning, and it actually causes you to store fat. Those are the three things that you want to actually remember. Um, chronic insulin elevation. What triggers it? Do we have Logan in the house again? All right. So an average American consumes... You can come over here. 150 pounds of sugar a year. So once you bring that up here, once you just yeah, yeah. Good luck on that. <laughs> Don't hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, just put that right here. So this is 100 pounds. Yeah, give me another 50. This is how much the average person. Now, how many of you don't consume a lot of sugar? Raise your hand. Yeah, I think a lot of people are doing more than 150 pounds. This over here represents three pounds of what, what we should be consuming, but this sugar is actually can come from fat or protein. You don't have to eat sugar. So three pounds versus 150 pounds. Now, if you look at the difference between these two, it's pretty darn obvious when you see it, right? I mean, it's, what is it, the, um, the American Heart Association is recommending over 300 uh, grams of carbs a day. I mean, that's like the American, I mean, American Heart Association, American Diabetes Association. I mean, this is like literally out of control. Here we go, my plate. I wanted to mention, um, thank you very much. Appreciate it. You can leave that, you can leave it there. Um, okay, so this is my plate. This is what's recommended and promoted. Um, they, you want uh, fruit, you can do a fruit juice, you can do uh, some orange juice, you can do canned fruit, you can do dried fruit. Uh, vegetables, you can do V8, canned corn, tomatoes, or iceberg lettuce. But you need at least two and a half cups. Um, this is what's interesting, grains. So they're recommending six to seven ounces of grains per day, but half of it needs to be whole grains. Okay, whole grains, like in whole grains. There's the certification label right there. 
whole grains. Here's another one. Whole grains certification. You have to pay $750,000 to get this cert, to call it whole grains. So you get this situation where you, you basically, they're recommending at least six to seven slices of bread a day, or pancakes, four uh, cups of cereal, or 21 cups of popcorn. Or you can do cornbread. There we go, it's heart healthy. Um, this is what's interesting. This is, if you look at these, this label, it says 10 grams of sugar per serving, right? But if you look a little lower, there's another category that says other carbohydrates, 17 grams. So I looked it up, I'm like, this is how they get away with kind of like shocking people of how much sugar. You have carbohydrates, then you have sugar, then you have other carbohydrates. So that's basically about 17 grams of sugar per one-third of a cup of cereal. 17 grams. Incredible. You see that little, I think you can see it from there. So diabetes is not a disease of abnormal glucose. It's a symptom of abnormal glucose. They make this really mysterious thing where no one can understand it. Snacking is a big trigger. Healthy snacking is very unhealthy because every time you eat, you trigger insulin. Huge problem. I personally did not know the data about healthy snacking probably several years ago. It was in Guidance Physiology. I apparently missed it, and I thought it was okay to snack. It was in my first book. So I'm sorry for those of you that read that. Um, I was consuming healthy peanuts, and I was doing the apples with peanut butter, and I got to be like 211. Uh, I was 211 pounds. So once I got the data, the correct data, I applied it, I dropped down to 180. Just like that, bam. So it's healthy snacking is really unhealthy. Um, the amount of calories compared to, from 1970 to now have increased a little bit, but not from your meals, from snacking. So if you go to the grocery store, I mean, you have all these snacks. It's quite extensive. This is interesting. Before you can even become a pre-diabetic. Insulin resistance is brewing in the oven for many, many, many years. It could be like up to 10 to 12, even 20 years before you would develop pre-diabetes. So to demonstrate this, I need Keto Connect. Where are they? There they are. So I, I, we use their uh, cookbook a lot. They have a great cookbook, so I really appreciate all the. So um, okay, so what we want to do is I'm gonna. These are normal earplugs. They haven't been used, um, and uh, we're gonna let uh, uh, you use those. And why don't you, Matt, stand over here, right there. Okay, Matt is gonna be the insulin receptor. Good. Okay. All right, you are gonna be the pancreas. Okay, so go ahead and put those in your ear. Yeah. She's the beta cell in the pancreas. You always wanted to be that, right? Of course. Yeah. Are you good? Yeah. Okay, good. So, okay, so now the pancreas, she's going to basically say lower the blood sugar. Okay, so say lower the blood sugar. Lower the blood sugar. Good. 
Okay, good. <laughs> so now what do you do when uh, Matt ignores you? Cream water. Okay, thank you. Lower the blood sugar. <laughs> Lower the blood sugar. Lower the blood sugar. Good. Now after about an hour of this, <laughs> I'm sure Matt never ignored you as he was looking at the computer. I'm listening, honey. Um, what happens is she's going to get tired, right? Yeah. So she's going to kind of like give up a little bit. This is when the blood sugars start going up because what happens, insulin resistance is basically the receptors are, are not really receiving anymore. So that means there's no return communication to turn off this shouting. So the shouting of volume is putting a lot of insulin into the system. So an average person with insulin resistance has five to seven times more insulin than a normal person. Why? Because there's no turnoff. There's no acknowledgement. So it's very dangerous not to omit the acknowledgement of your spouse. Would you agree? <laughs> so um, it's, really, it's really important. So this is what's happening in our body. So, we'll, so start shouting. So we have, uh, let's see, on the slide there, whoops. We have... Um, Insulin resistance. This is called insulin resistance, okay? You may get hypoglycemia because the sugar is, is the insulin's going high. It's pushing down the blood sugar. That might ha happen if you have weak adrenals or a liver problem. Or it might just go with high sugar eventually. After she gets tired, she's like, oh my gosh, I can't do this anymore. Now we have a situation when insulin goes low. Now we have um, the blood sugar start going up because we don't have enough insulin to lower the blood sugar. Make sense? So now we got pre-diabetes. So, thank you very much. Thank you very much, and you can keep those. <laughs> so what happens is you get um, insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, and then right before that, when you have, even before you get pre-diabetes, you have something called metabolic syndrome usually. You have usually high blood pressure, high cholesterol. You have all the symptoms, but your blood sugar is normal. Normal blood sugar is what medically they're looking at to really tell you of a problem. But that's later on the chain. The thing they never test for is the high insulin. There's a test, HOMA-IR, and you can do it post-eating. HOMA-IR, you write that down. Um, and that test can determine if your insulin is high, but no one ever tests it. So they actually missed the boat on this one little important point. High insulin occurs before, way before you get high blood sugar. So they missed this problem. So you have all these symptoms, and they, it could be psychosomatic because you're irritable all the time because you might have hypoglycemia. So then eventually you get metabolic syndrome, and you have high blood pressure, which, by the way, they give you um, like um, diuretics. If you have high cholesterol, they'll give you statins. Both of those medications have a side effect of increasing or worsening insulin resistance. They get you off salt. When you go on a low-salt diet, you increase your risk for insulin resistance. So all the medications cause side effects. Now, we're going to get to this in a little bit, but the B vitamin, especially B1, protects your body from the complications from high sugar. And when you take metformin, one of the big side effects is a depletion of B1, thiamine, that is supposed to help you um, prevent the, the, something called as, uh, uh, acidosis, like lactic acidosis, which is a side effect from that. So what happens is when you take the metformin, 
you're basically um, going to be depleting B1, which protects the cell against all this damage. Now you get the complications. So it's, it's just a real bad situation. We'll get more into that. But uh, I just wanted to show you the mechanism. So we have all these things, and I think I've given you notes on a lot of this already. So I'm going to just kind of buzz through this. So we got diabetes type 2. That's what it is, very simply. All right. Why keto, IF? Because all we're doing is we're matching the environment that our bodies are used to back before we, you know, started eating six meals a day. So keto just matches the environment that our body is used to. Infrequent eating, healthy foods. What is healthy keto? Healthy keto is basically making sure that your, all your nutrients are satisfied using high-quality nutrients. Because classical keto is not necessarily, it might help you lose weight, but it's not necessarily always healthy. The ingredients that they use for epilepsy with kids and the research way back then is uh, using all sorts of, you know, even unhealthy soy products and things like that. So we're not doing that. But some of the opposition against keto is going to be using the data from that. They're not going to actually use the data from healthy keto. Now, why don't they do the research? Because no one's going to fund it. Who's going to pay for that? So we're left with just doing it through experience. Here's a soy formula. Well, that's a problem because it's GMO. So that's a big issue. So healthy carbs is keeping your carbs between 20 grams and 50 grams a day. Um, we want moderate protein. We want three to six ounces per meal, ideally. It's going to vary. And I also want people to experiment on their own bodies to see how you deal. Some people need more protein. Like uh, Logan, he's 22. He has a fast metabolism. He's not going to probably do three grams. He's, he's, ounces, he's probably going to do like eight ounces. So it really depends. I, my body does really well on eight ounces of protein a day. When I do that, I'm great. If I do more than that, I don't feel that great. So you have to experiment on that. And this is the problem with people like, well, how many, how many grams, how many calories... Well, I'll give you some guidelines. You just have to tweak it and see what works for you. Um, the fat. I'm going to get more into that in the next presentation, but between 70 and 80% of your total calories. Um, you might think, wow, that's a lot of fat. Well, you're going to find out it's actually not as high as you think. I also recommend the vegetables. I'll tell you why in the next presentation, but um, that, that's where you can get your phytonutrients, you can get your vitamins. You can actually get your fiber to feed your microbes because you really don't um, need fiber, but your microbes do. Um, and they give you great things in, in exchange. Here's an example of one meal a day. It gets a little complex when you start uh, in, introducing intermittent, fast, uh, intermittent fasting. Um, but you want to kind of let your body tell you how much you eat. How many of you are doing one meal a day? Raise your hand. Quite a few. How many do two meals a day? Okay. How many do three meals a day? Okay. How many do six meals a day? <laughs> Good. Been watching the videos. Okay. Um, so this is kind of an example. I just wanted to kind of show you. It actually looks good. It tastes good. It's not bad. And you're not going to be hungry. How do you know if you're actually, it's working? Well, your, your craving's going to go away for sure. Your hunger's going to go away. If you crave and you're hungry, we know you're not into it yet. You're not into ketosis yet. Of course, there's a great test. And we have Keto Mojo around here. I think they're outside. 
there they are. So that's a great way to, to evaluate it. It's a great test. I'm going to talk more about that. But um, intermittent fasting is really interesting because with intermittent fasting, your body goes into this wild thing where it switches these genes to then start growing brain cells. How many of you could use a couple brain cells? <laughs> your body then starts making more mitochondria. That's the energy factory of the cells. I mean, that's just, you grow a brain? That's incredible. Your growth hormone dramatically spikes. That's the anti-aging. Growth hormone preserves protein. So you're not going to lose your muscle mass. The difference between fasting and starvation is fasting depletes your glycogen reserves and you get into fat burning. Starvation is you deplete your fat reserves and now you're using your organs and muscle as fuel. That's the difference. So we're not starving. And what's really interesting, your hunger goes away when you do this. It feels really good. You can retard tumor growth with intermittent fasting. You can get rid of inflammatory conditions. And by the way, the inflammatory conditions are the top, the medications that treat that are the top of the food chain. That's like most of the money in medication is on inflammation. Intermittent fasting is like the thing that handles that. Um, stem cells spike when you do intermittent fasting. Stem cells? Incredible. I mean, that's like mind-blowing. You can actually grow. Like as you age, your stem cells go down. And you can actually enhance your stem cells by doing prolonged fasting. We're going to talk about that tomorrow morning. Um, how, to, how to do prolonged fasting occasionally. Autophagy is your body is a self-cleaning oven. It's cleaning up all the old proteins and recycling them to new proteins and cleaning up all the microbes, the viruses, the bacteria. If you want to help your immune system, fasting is the key. When you're sick, you should be fasting. The more sick you are, the more you should fast. An animal, when it gets sick, goes into fasting. It loses the appetite. Same thing with us. You should not eat when you're sick. If you want to get rid of jet lag, fasting is the best way to do it. Fasting will increase your stress resistance. So people say, well, fasting is stressful. No, actually, it improves your ability to tolerate crazy people. I mean, sorry, stress. Autophagy. This is a picture that kind of shows you exactly what it is. Pretty simple, right? So how do you do it? Basically really simple. You have three meals a day. Start off no snacking. Add more fat to the meal to go longer. Then you slowly push your breakfast towards the lunch as you feel like you can do it. And if you're not hungry, don't eat, especially in the morning. Go longer and longer to the point where you're, um, you're, you can just do a lunch. What's nice about these conventions is we're going to just do fasting and not eat all day, so we can save on money. <laughs> so we got, then we end up with uh, two meals a day. You got two meals a day, and uh, that works really good. So now you can fast for a period of time, and most people can do that very easily. And then you want to start shortening your window closer and closer till you get like four hours, and then maybe a lot of you are doing one meal a day. I think. One meal a day is very healthy for the majority of the population, especially if you get to the age of 40 or 50. Someday I'm going to get to that point, because I'm only like 39. Um, so then you get one meal a day. You would think you would be like starving. No. No. 
Stephen, the guy who lost uh, uh, so much weight, he was 600 pounds, he does one meal a day, he's totally satisfied, he's feeling great, he has energy, your cognitive function, your mood improves. Incredible. Anyway, I'm a, we're going to have the next speaker, speaker come up. I want to thank you for this introduction, and we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey guys, I just want to let you know I have my new keto course just came out. It's a mini course. It covers all the basics and how to do it correctly. You can get through this in probably 20 minutes at the very most. So if you're interested, click the link below and get signed up now.